everybody, and welcome again to another edition of the Idaho State Journal Sports Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Andrew Houghton, sports reporter at the Idaho State Journal. With me is Madison Guernsey, sports editor at the Idaho State Journal. Uh, for an extra special ISJ Sports Podcast today, we're coming to you live from Boise. Uh, we are in town on location um, for the second day of the Big Sky Basketball Tournaments. Uh, Idaho State women play tonight. I will, of course, be covering you that game. Uh, and then, of course, the men start their tournament tomorrow. Yeah, men play Northern Arizona Wednesday approximately 2.30. Um, so hopefully you, you have plenty of time to listen to this prior to the women's game and, and the men's game tomorrow. Yeah, so we're, of course, excited to be here. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year every year. It's, you know, if you're a basketball fan, if you're a Big Sky Conference fan, um really it doesn't get much better than this uh we'll see what happens i mean the idaho state women nobody nobody knows what's going to happen uh in a tournament like this i mean it's single elimination idaho state women of course had a bye so they didn't didn't play yesterday um they're the they're the number three seed so you should expect expect to see them play at least two games should expect them to see them win tonight but we don't know what'll happen and then the men of course uh, are the the last seed on the men's side, but um, you know it's March, right? Yeah, so and upsets upsets potential. And like you mentioned, just just a really fun week. I mean, all eleven teams, all eleven men's teams, all eleven women's teams are all here. Fans from almost every school are in Boise for this thing. So just just kind of a, a fun week of a lot of basketball, and you know, getting to watch teams you don't see very often, and getting to interact with fellow media types. So uh, it's it's fun. We're gonna jump into, I think. Yeah, it, it gives us a ton yeah. of content, right? So we're yeah. we've got, you know, this is really the Big Sky Basketball Week. We had all conference teams. Uh, women's team was announced yesterday. Monday, yeah. Uh, men's team just came out a couple hours ago, so we will we'll talk about that a little bit, and then of course we've got game previews. I mean, I know that I've written a game preview that's online at IdahoStateJournal.com. Uh, Madison will have one online uh, tonight for the men's game tomorrow. Um, so get to that and, and read that. We'll give you some thoughts here in a little bit. Uh, what do we want to start with? You want to start with all-conference, right? Yeah, the ISU women had a couple players make the all-conference teams, which were announced Monday, uh, both on the second team. Um, Andrew, I guess, w- any thoughts on those two individuals and on this the women's all-conference team and individual awards as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting year uh, for the women this year. Of course, if you know, if you've been following Big Sky Basketball, several of the greatest women's players in conference history graduated last year, and sort of there was a power vacuum at the top of the conference, and we were we were waiting to see what would happen. Um, so for, for Idaho State, Dora Golish and, and Callie Bourne both made second team all-conference. They're both listed as guards, which is interesting. Dorgolish is a guard. Kelly Bourne has essentially been playing the four for Idaho State all year, even though she's still listed as a guard. I mean, she's leading the team in rebounding. She's, you know, she's guarding post players the whole the whole nine yards and everything. So I think that was a big part of why why she made it. And Kelly Bourne, you know, really came on strong in the early part of the season. Carried this team for, for a long, long while. Um, especially when when Steffi Orris got hurt, and Kelly Bourne is just you know a really solid player, and you need players like that. And Idaho State with has a young team, um, but Kelly Bourne's just been a dependable player for them all season. She's an interesting player, kind of fun to watch. You know, left left handed slasher. You know, really really physical, not like incredibly quick first step, but will like 
get into a defender, finish at the rim, get into a defender, step back. Her jump shot's gotten a lot better um, than it was last year. I mean, she's she's made some threes. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think she's really <laughs> held down the boards for Idaho State, which is which is important. I mean, this is a team that you know, does not have a lot of size, doesn't have a lot of experience size. Uh, it's really important for them not to get overrun just on the offensive boards, and, and Callie Bourne's been a huge help with that. Um, she's fallen off a little bit late in the season, um, but still, I think, well-deserved for her. I mean, average 12.1 points per game, I think 6.6 rebounds per game. Um, both those marks in the top 15 in the conference was so just an, an all-around solid year. So, so in your mind, is second team a fair yeah. p- spot for her? Okay. Yeah, and you guys will remember it at midseason, I had Callie Bourne as my, on the, the last spot on my first mm-hmm. team when we picked in, in midseason. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the same reasons, just how important she was to Idaho State at that point. And um, all of that, I, I think that the end of the season, like I said, she's she's been in a little bit of a slump recently, uh, missing shots, not affecting games as much especially scoring-wise, um, and that would have, you know, knocked her down for me, but I think she she did a, enough generally early in the season to have clinched that second team spot. I think that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And she's only a sophomore this year, so that's that's good. You know, that's yeah. good for a sophomore. And then, Dora, you, uh, you, you have made the argument that maybe she should be on the first team. She's slotted in that as a second team guard what uh i guess what's what's kind of your opinion on her and and uh what's your rationale for maybe make making her a first teamer yeah dora golesh has sort of had the the opposite trajectory as Callie born in that she in the second half of the season she's just been on a tear you know she's she's scoring points she had had 36 points against montana but i mean she's just so what what Dora Golish did, she two years ago she tore her ACL, I believe, in the championship game. Uh no semifinal? Yeah. So they had won two games, were in the semifinal, um, tore her ACL I think, late in the game it against was like, Northern Colorado, yeah. With five seconds left, a game that ISU was not gonna win. So very sad way to end the end the season, yeah. Yes, and and lost an entire season off of it. Came back this year, um, you know, and had to make a lot of changes in her game. You know, coming off a torn ACL, I don't think that she was really confident in her slashing driving ability, you know, at, at first. And so she just shot a lot of threes. And it turned out that she had made the progression from basically a non-shooter a year ago. I think she was shooting under 30% from three, not a lot of volume. She was, you know, more of a quick guard you know relied on her first step good passing vision which she still has but wasn't really a threat from three and she came back this year and she's one of the best shooters in the big sky and if that's all that she had been that would have been fine but I think that you know in the in the back half of the season she's gotten more comfortable on that rehab ACL I mean she started to to add everything else back into her game I mean she she can get to the rim she's a good finisher you know can take the floater can pull up from mid-range and she's still one of the best shooters in the conference um it's just been huge for Idaho State with with two big injuries to starters to have somebody like that because when you have a team, you know, you're starting a junior, three sophomores, a freshman, you sort of run the risk of not having enough offensive juice, just, you know, late, in, late shot clock situations 
times when when you know when you really need a bucket, sometimes if, if yeah. you don't have that experience on the court, it can be tough. And Dora Golish has just taken over that role for them. Uh, you know, played really well. She's you know fourth in the conference in steals too. I think for me, you know, it's tough. The first team uh, was Montana State's Fallon Frigi, who was also the Player of the Year. Southern Utah's Rebecca Cardenas, who led the conference in scoring. Northern Arizona's Kiarka Rashid, who was second in the conference in scoring, I believe. Idaho's Gina Markson, who was the best player on the second best team in the conference, so one step ahead of Idaho State. Uh, and, and Montana's Mackenzie Johnston, who's a senior who's been around for a really long time. Um, I don't know who you take off that team for Dora Golish. Um, you know, I think that if they had done it, you know, where, where Fridji is the player of the year and then you have five other players maybe yeah. on the first team all-conference – you know, maybe there's a spot for her. I think the the real argument is between her and her and Mackenzie Johnston for Montana, and their their stats are really, really similar. I mean, they're both averaging about 12 points per game. Mackenzie Johnston is more of a physical player, mm-hmm. averages a lot more rebounds. But Dora Golish is one of the three best three-point shooters in the league just based on her combination of, of volume and percentage. And Mackenzie Johnston's not really that threat, and I just think that the degree of difficulty – for Dora Golesh this year was was probably a little bit higher because she's she's coming back off an ACL tear, and she's expected to to not only sort of be the leader of this really young team, but do it while she's also evolving her game and and figuring out new ways to play and sort of I was just incredibly impressed with her all year, and I think that she had a, a first team All Conference type season, which I said on Twitter. Um, when you look at it, when you look at her resume, when you look at her stats, when you look at the way she plays, when you look at what this Idaho State team has done and how big of a role that she played in that, it's just a first-team all-conference type season. And, you know, I, it's it's difficult. There are a lot of good players in the conference, um, but Dora Golish probably would have been on my first-team all-conference if, if we were making picks. Who were the rest of the individual awards real quick and, and any um, opinions on that? Yeah, so uh, Fallon Frigi was was preseason player of the year. She was player of the year at the the end of the conference schedule. Um, you know, a, a great year for her. I think averaged thirteen and a half points. I think like seven rebounds a game, seven point six rebounds a game. So she was sixth in the conference in scoring, second in rebounding. Was probably the best player on that Montana State team. And given that Montana State went nineteen and one, you know, I I thought that they sort of had to have the player of the year. Yeah, and that's you and I kind of talked about this on on the drive over here. Is like you know that it's that's a very defensible pick, right? You you pick the best player on the best team to be the MVP, and there's not a whole lot of arguments you can make against that. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, like Rebecca Cardenas averaged four more points per game than her, but Southern Utah was basically five hundred in the league, and Montana State set a new Big Sky record for wins. You yeah. know, so I, I'm fine with that. Uh, Rebecca Cardenas was the defensive player of the year. She led the the conference in steals, three steals per game. Uh, I have some issues with this one. I don't know. Um, Rebecca Cardenas is a, a great player, a really good defensive player, as you can, you can tell from those steals numbers. For me, Rebecca Cardenas is not the player that I pick if I need to get one stop in a one-on-one situation. I mean, she's just... She's she's small, right? She's like five five. Um, it's it's tough, you know. She's a really good defender. I don't think that she is the best defensive player in the league. I I told you, you know, yeah. I mean, 
you can look at the numbers and say, well, well, okay, clearly she made a, a bigger impact on defense than anybody else. I mean, if you're getting three steals a game, that's a lot of extra possessions that adds up over the course of a conference season. Um, I think that really, you know, she's she's kind of too small to make an every possession defensive impact as much mm. as as much as some other girls. I would have. I think that there's a really good case for uh, Montana State freshman Darian White in this category. Um, she's a, she's a little bit bigger than Cardenas. She's just like uber athletic, um, two and a half steals per game. So she was second in the conference. So not an appreciable difference there. If somebody comes up to me and you know puts a gun to my head and says, you know, you need you need to stop Fallon Freegi or you need to stop Kiarka Rashid in one possession here, or else I'm gonna shoot you. Like who are you picking? <laughs> I'm picking Darian White probably. I thought that Idaho State's Diablo Canate maybe had an argument here, and the argument for her is that, well, Idaho State had the best or second-best defense in the league. She was guarding the other team's best offensive player every night, and some of these these lines that, you know, the best-scoring guards in the league put up against Idaho State in the second half of the season especially were really ugly. I mean, Cardenas shot 1 for 10 against them. I think Alexis Chapman for Northern Colorado shot 0 for 10 against them. Uh, Mackenzie Johnston did not have a good game against them in either of their two games that they played, and that's with Diabo Canate starting on those players, although Idaho State switches a lot, and it's tough to tell, you know, sort of who is, how much of that is attributable to an individual, how much of that is in- attributable to the team scheme. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if I, I think that just in general the best defensive players in the league are probably... Darian White and, and Diablo Canate, just as far as you know, guards and and defending one on one. So I've got some issues there. That's um, the most educated and in depth take you're going to find on the Big Sky defense. I know, I know. Which, yeah, yeah, I've right got. There. Of course, nobody was expecting me to go through this whole podcast without bringing up Diablo Canate. Obviously, <laughs> of course not. just like you can't watch her play defense against these teams in the tournament. You know, hopefully they get a couple games. Um, you know, of course. Idaho State is playing Southern Utah tonight, yeah. and Diablo Canate will right. probably be guarding Rebecca Cardenas. You know, yeah. uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, any other? Yeah, who are the rest of these awards? And so, any so Darian White. Darian yeah. White was the freshman of the year, which was obvious. I thought that was a really good race between her, uh, Alicia Davis at, at Northern Colorado was a monster. She had thirty two and thirteen in their first round game. Hmm. Uh, Beyonce B at Idaho was just really steady post player all season and of course Idaho lost two of the best players in conference history last year came back in the second in the league I love what everybody on that Idaho team did um so I thought that was a great race between those three and, and maybe Kanate on the fringes uh Nina Radford from Northern Arizona newcomer of the year um great season from her and Tori Martell from Montana State was was the top reserve um Darian White it's weird she was she was freshman of the year but she actually got an honorable mention spot mm. and Beyonce B was on the third team, so who... Not sure know, how that voting worked. Yeah. No, and, you know, um, Darian White's an incredible player. Um, the the guys at Skyline Sports had her on their first team, which is mm. uh, also very bold, but it's a lot closer to where she should be than honorable mention. She's already one of the most influential players in the league. She just today had led Montana State with uh, 19 points as they narrowly avoided an upset mm. by Northern Colorado in their first game and she she made the biggest plays down the stretch I mean they're up one with I think a minute under a minute and a half left but Northern Colorado ball with a chance to take the lead Darian White steal two free throws three point lead next position big defensive rebound two free throws five point lead and that was basically the game so she's already making the biggest plays of the game as a freshman in her first yeah. Big Sky Conference tournament game I, honorable mention for her is really low and then of course Montana State coach 
Trisha Binford was named uh, the coach of the year. Not really a surprise there. Again, great race, though, between I think really the top three. Um, John Newley at Idaho, like I mentioned, to lose Michaela Ferenz and Taylor Pierce and come back and still get the second seed in the conference and still clearly be one of the the powers in the conference is just incredible. And you're doing it with uh, Gina Markson, who's a sophomore, uh, Beyonce B, who's a freshman, are, are basically their top two players. And then Seton Sobolewski at Idaho State, of course, lost his only senior, Estefi Ors, to a knee injury in the non-conference. Lost her replacement, Tamika Whitman, to a foot injury a couple weeks later in the middle of the conference season. Ended the, the conference season by winning nine of his last 11 while starting, you know, like I said, one junior, three sophomores, one freshman. Bring two, two or three other freshmen off the bench. Nobody who has experience in these games, really. Dora Golish coming off an ACL, so like who knows what's happening with, with her, and she has one of the best years of any player in the conference. Um, and, and they finished third, and they basically beat everybody except for, for Idaho and Montana State in the regular season. So I thought I thought that was a great race for Coach of the Year. And that's one of those awards where like you you can defend any of those three coaches that, that you just mentioned. It, it's, again, one of those things where, okay, what's the easiest pick to defend here? Okay, Montana State lost one game in conference. They're like, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. Probably her. Yeah, you know, I mean, and just, just dominant. I mean, they're not winning these games by by three points or whatever. Their their point differential in the regular season was just ridiculous. Let me look it up real quick. Um, yeah, and that's and I've plus fourteen point four points okay, per game. That's a lot. Yeah, and the next plus was actually Idaho State at plus seven and a half. So like half of what Montana State was doing. Yeah. I, I, they're the most dominant. Big Sky women's team in recent memory for me, at least. Still, like, kind of a subjective award, though, right? It's like, well, right. we can give it to the coach who clearly had the best team, or we can give it to a coach who we we perceived did the most with right. the least, had the, but that's had all, the toughest situation you, or something. You know, based, right? Montana like, State, of yeah. course, was the preseason favorite and, yeah. and still exceeded expectations. I didn't, nobody was picking them to go nineteen and one with their only loss in overtime by one point. I think right. you know so. So that's fine. Um, that's a good that's a good segue over to the men's team if you want to talk about that real quick because uh, just like in the women's team, the coach of the year just went to the team that won the league, right? Yep, Eastern Washington was the Big Sky's regular season champion. Uh, coach Shante Leggins was named the coach of the year. I think you could have argued for Travis DeCure at Montana, Jeff Linder at Northern Colorado. Those, I mean – Similar to the women's side, it seems like there are three, you know, really good teams, and everyone else is kind of just somewhere in the middle. So I right. think you, I think you could argue for any of those guys, but again, and, and both those yeah. other two guys sort of have the the Jeff Linder argument, right? Where you lose so much talent off a team from right. last year, and you still come back, and you're at the top of the conference, right? And for Eastern Washington, you know, they they had a lot of talented players back, but they won the league. Easy to make that argument. Um, ISU did not have any individuals named to any of the all-conference teams or any individual award winners. Um, not super surprising. I mean, ISU's had a tough season. Also, not really any, like, standout players, right? Like, they have a few players who are all really good and have, and, you know, any one of them can be the best player during a given game, but they don't have that guy who's averaging, you know, 20 points a game and is by far and away their star player. So not really surprised to not see any of them on the all-conference team. Yeah, it's interesting, and we can talk about this more maybe in if we do like a, a season recap pod or something like that, if we want to get really deep into the ISU men's team. It's really interesting that they didn't have anybody step up and, and yeah. sort of seize that role. I know that 
Tariq Cool was the big name early because he had that 40-plus point game against Air Force, and it kind of seemed like, well, maybe he'll be the guy. And then, you know, it was Malik Porter late in the season. Yeah. He was just posting up and scoring 20-plus a game. But, again, that wasn't there for the whole season. I mean, if you're doing that for the whole season, you're the man, you're the star. And this is an Idaho State team, I think, that really needed somebody like that. They need just in terms of uh, marketing even, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just it just never happened, which is kind of interesting. The first team all conference, um, Eastern Washington's Mason Peeling was named the MVP. Not not really a surprise there. Kind of similar to the women's awards. I mean, he was the best player on the best team, so I'm okay with that. He also had really good numbers. Um, no argument there. He's joined on the first team by Montana's Saeed Pridget, Northern Colorado's Jonah Radabaugh, Montana State's Harold Frey, and Portland State's. Holland Woods. Um, the only guy you could argue maybe was a snub was Weber State's Jarek Harding, who led the conference in scoring, yet was not on the first team. Weber State's also here as, I believe, an eight or nine seed, so, you know, they... Really disappointing year by Weber State, yeah. Yeah, and they, you know, they had some injury troubles. It sounds like Jarek Harding's been banged up himself, um, but that's really the only, you know... And Jarek Harding's a big sky legend, you know, he's yeah. the all-time leading scorer in, in Weber State history now. I think he is making a run at Jordan Davis for the second spot mm. ever in Big Sky Conference history this weekend. I think he's 38 points or something shy okay. of Jordan Davis coming into the tournament, so he probably needs two games for sure. to threaten it, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, just even that he's up there is, is ridiculous. I mean, he's had one of the greatest careers in, Weber, in Big Sky Conference history, and it's just, it's just sort of weird, a little bit off-putting, a little bit odd to not see him on the first team, although all the five guys who are on the first team have great arguments. Yeah, and that's, you know, your argument for Dora Golish. It's like, well, who do you take off the first team? Sort of the same thing on the men's side. It's like, which of those five guys do you take off? And you'd have a really hard argument there, I think. Um, the rest of the individual awards, Montana State big man, Jubriel Bello on the newcomer of the year. Montana, Montana's Derek... Carter Hollinger is the freshman of the year. Both of which I called, by the way. You did. We were, on the we way were in the car driving over. We were, yeah. we were trying to come up with names for both of those spots. I brought up both of those guys, and then five minutes later, Madison's phone pinged with the, the email, right? And yep, and you and you were I correct. was pretty happy I, with myself. Yep, no issue on either of those. Um, top reserve, Kai Edwards from Northern Colorado. Teammate, Jonah Radabaugh, defensive player of the year. The only player in the history of the Big Sky to win the defensive player of the year award three times. That's that's really amazing. I mean, he's he's been at the top of his game on defense for, you know, three seasons, and this year was really good on offense, too, and earned a unanimous first-team all-conference vote. So n- no issues there with any of those awards. I, I know you're a Rattleball guy. He would have been my pick for MVP. I don't – you don't you don't have to make a pick here, I know, because you're the one who covers it. My, my ballot, I think – would have been Radabaugh, Pridget, and then Peebling in third, but those guys were and, all really close. And here's the thing. I think if Montana wins the league, Saeed Pridget would have been the MVP. Same sure. thing if UNC wins the league, Radabaugh is the MVP. I, I think that's just the easiest you know, easiest pick and the easiest one to rationalize is, okay, he was the best player on the best team. And it's not like Mason Peeling was you know just defaulted into that. I mean, he averaged 17.2 points. 9.1 rebounds, shot 55.4%. Yeah, three yeah point great assists. season, like, obviously. Yeah, he's a really good player. Um, so anyway, that's kind of your quick rundown on the men's all-conference team. Uh, Andrew, any any thoughts on the women's first-round matchup with the Southern Utah Thunderbirds? No, I think it'll be a great matchup. Uh, like I mentioned, I mean, Rebecca Cardenas was 
the best scorer in the league. She was one of the best defensive players in the league. She is an incredible player to watch. She's a lot of fun. Uh, Idaho State did a decent job on her both both games. Like I mentioned, she shot one for ten from the field at Regym. Still scored thirteen points because she went to the free throw line, you know, ten times or whatever. Mm. Um, but they did a really good job on her. I think that. You know what Idaho State really has to watch out for are a couple of the other Southern Utah players, though, because if you focus too much on Cardenas, they have some girls who can hurt you. Shaylin Fano had two monster, monster games against Idaho State, uh, nearly single-handedly led the Southern Utah comeback in the first game that ended up in an Idaho State loss. I think she had 24 points in that game. Um, second game, she didn't quite have the volume, but she was something like five of six from the field. You know, she can step outside and shoot the three. She can bang down low I mean it's it's not a really good matchup for Idaho State players like that because you're dragging Ellie Smith or Delaney Moore out to the three-point line sometimes um we'll see we'll see who starts on Fano it uh, might be Callie Bourne um Harley Hansen's a, a really good shooter for Southern Utah um can get hot I I am pretty confident in Idaho State in this game um like I mentioned split the season series but I put this in my preview. Idaho State won six of the nine periods with an overtime that these two teams played this year. Um, the second win at Regen was really comprehensive, but what people forget about the first game is that the first game looked exactly like that for two and a half quarters before Idaho State just crumbled down the stretch. I mean, it looked like they were in complete control. It looked like Southern Utah really didn't have a real good way to score against them. Um, it looked like they were able to get enough on offense. Um and that was for, you know, over half of the first game and basically the entire second game until garbage time. So I, I'm i pretty confident in this Idaho State team. Just as far as this Idaho State team goes in general, I think really what they have to watch out for is getting a little bogged down on, on offense sometimes. I mean, they'll have these stretches where they, they get stuck in the half court. They, they can't get any fast break opportunities and they don't really get a lot of open threes. They can't work it inside. They just fall into these ruts where they take a lot of mid-range shots, can turn the ball over a lot at times. Um, and when that happens, I mean, they go five minutes and score two points, and it doesn't happen every game. But it happens a lot for this team. I still mm. think that they're missing a little bit of, you know, late shot clock juice, e- mm. even as good as, as Dora Golesh has been. So we'll see. And then, yeah, the men tomorrow afternoon are the 11 seeds uh, facing number six, Northern Arizona. This is a very interesting matchup for me because I think out of all the teams ISU could have played in the first round, Northern Arizona or Weber State would have been the ideal matchup for ISU, so they, they kind of lucked out and they got— Because those were two of the teams that Idaho State has beaten this season. with, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, ISU beat Northern Arizona on the road by four points, and then their second meeting in Pocatello lost by one point in overtime. So, oh, you know, wow. So two, they're, they're pos- positive points differential against Northern Arizona this season. Yeah, okay. and, you know, had two pretty, two pretty good um, offensive games against NAU, so, you know, ISU knows they can, it, they can score against— NAU, um, NAU doesn't you know isn't huge. They every team has more size than ISU, but that's that's. <laughs> but it's not as bad as it could be. It's not as bad as it could be. They don't have like a Josh Patton or a Jubriel Bello or anybody like that. Um, NAU, you know, is a pretty good offensive team. Not great on defense. Struggles guarding the three. That could play into ISU's favor. Um, 
ISU just has to get better on defense. I mean, offense hasn't been their problem. They're shooting right around 50%. This last stretch of the season scoring, you know, in the 70s, which is good for ISU because they, they struggle to get to 60 sometimes early in the season. So their offense is coming around. Their defense has really struggled, though. Teams are killing them, you know, shooting in the mid-50s, and ISU's given up, you know, in between 80 and 100 points a game kind of <laughs> these last few. So they got to figure out a way to, you know, kind of halt Northern Arizona's offense. Um, and I talked to Coach Ryan Looney just about an hour ago, and he was saying, you know, the key is slowing down Cameron Shelton, NAU's point guard, when, when when ISU beat Northern Arizona in Flagstaff, Shelton only had six points. And then when NAU won in Pocatello, Shelton had 24 points. So, oh, so there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, so I, overall, I like this matchup for ISU. You know, they will be the underdogs, obviously. They're seeded five seeds lower and will probably be underdogs by, I don't know, six or seven points. But um, one of the ideal matchups for the Bengals in the first round. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say that Idaho State beating Northern Arizona would be like a very big sky upset to happen. I mean, Northern Arizona's sort of been one of the one of the good stories on the men's side this yeah, season. Yeah, really uh, good in, season. Interim coach in, in Shane Burkar, who, who came in, um, has had a, a really good season. I mean, they've got a lot of individual talent, but, you know, people are saying that, you know, basically Burkar should have the interim term tag taken off right you know be made the full-time coach was always a a good story when somebody comes into a situation like that and does so well i think uh, shelton bernie andre brooks to bishop yeah they have three but three guys on the all-conference team three guys on the various all-conference teams that's a a great look for northern arizona of course i mean yeah the last few years northern arizona's kind of been in that you know nine to eleven seed category and they they're the number six seed this year they have three all-conference guys like things are are certainly so that's a that that's program. a great story and i'm just saying that it would be very typical of the big sky to have that great story sort of <laughs> screwed up in the first round by last place idaho state so and then know, idaho state's a good story for a day right for sure yes yeah. and then ryan looney gets to gets to be in the spotlight a little bit yeah. uh we'll see i just i just i i got a hunch i don't know okay well there you have it uh check back with will be on Twitter and online uh, as long as these ISU teams are playing here in Boise at, at the Big Sky Tournament. We, it could be one day, it could be four. We don't know how, how it's going to go, but uh, thanks for listening and following along and hopefully uh, enjoying the games. All right.